0: Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker.
1: I'm April Vokey, and you're listening to Anchored. My chance to speak with some of the most influential people involved in the outdoors today. Join me as I travel to sit face-to-face with my guests in their own homes to learn more about their careers, opinions, history, relationships, and life both indoors and out. Meredith McCord is a keen angler, professional trip host, and world traveler. Today she holds 180 records through the IGFA, and she shows no signs of slowing down. In the second part of this two-part episode, we wrap up Meredith's timeline and discuss tipping guides, mellowing out, being lonely, and the real reason she continues to chase records. Good morning. Good morning. We had to pull the... Well, we had to stop yesterday because we ran out of time. Partly because we went for an hour and a half, and then also because we were talking and yakking while well, we were not rolling. I know. I was talking to someone, and they are like, how long did you talk for? And I was like, I, I think I almost two, two hours. hours. <laughs> yeah. And they are like, what were you we all talking about? I was like, I don't know.
0: I mean, just we just go by so, go, so fast.
1: Yeah. And we had a lot to say. We do, and we have even more to say. But now, because I'm booked up today with podcasts, the only way to make this work was you had to come in early. So. I did. So pardon my voice. Likewise. And um Let's roll with where we left off. Okay. This might be a little bit funky for people listening because we don't remember exactly where we left off. But you were telling me about teaching the guys in Bolivia how to swim. How to swim. Yeah. So how did that go? Did you end up teaching teaching them? I did. I have some really great photos from that experience. But do you know? So I went in with this grand gesture of like, I'm an American, I'm gonna change, you know, and and my missionary work has taught me. You should never. We should never think like that. We should never go in as Santa Claus, right? The yeah. Western Santa Claus, like I'm going to bless these people yeah, I with think my present his History is showing now that, yeah, that works out. yeah. So I went in with this, these grand ideas of what was going to happen, and I was very much humbled. And I had brought, like I said, I had spent a lot of time in the village a couple of months prior, and had sat with this young man who had lost his father, but I had also visited with a lot of the young women and I had brought, um, I have always like a neon orange on my toes. And so I had brought my (laughs) toenail polish traffic with those. I could. And so (laughs) I painted toenails and there's something very intimate, you know, about touching people's feet. So I just like, I would sit with the girls and we would paint, I would paint toes and they were just so mesmerized. And so when I came back, I brought a lot of nail polish because I had done that in the village um, in June. And so when I went back in October hosting my two friends out of Florida... I brought nail polish. I brought a lot of hair ribbons, ponytail holders. They have beautiful hair. And I brought sparkly little berets and braided hair. I've, you know, out of college for extra money. I was a makeup artist for years and the face is a palette And there. Again, there's something intimate about putting makeup on people or doing someone's hair or painting someone's toes. Physical touch goes a long way mm-hmm. and um, a lot of people don't touch today, you know, it's, it's well, and it can get like, is it weird? Is, is yeah. it? Am I okay? It, is this yeah. self- Okay. Exactly. Like I, I was giving um, a, a guy a compliment last night and he just has really kind eyes. Matt, Smythe who uh, yeah he's on went. later today okay well and he just has super kind eyes and I was like I don't want you to take this the wrong way please don't take this I'm not hitting on you I just I want to tell you you have really kind eyes and I just I just want to tell you and today you know compliments we've got to be so careful and anyway in physical touch we have to be careful so yeah. it's not misinterpreted but anyway so I brought in hair ribbons and another thing that no one thinks about. They bring coloring books and candy for kids, but the biggest thing that I brought was children's underwear. Something so basic, yeah, but so necessary. So necessary. So I brought tons of underwear. I know that sounds weird. Again, can be misinterpreted. <laughs> no, it definitely coming. It that one. It is nice coming from a woman. Yeah, to bring in, you know, kids underwear. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I did that, and anyway, I painted toes and did hair and braided hair, and, um, but I could not get them in the water. I was working with a wonderful guide down there. who has re- He's learned the language, the Chalmany language, and um, his name is Fernando. And Fernando has been guiding for 11 years down there, and he just has a huge heart for the people. And he, he was great because he knew it. Oh, this is the cutest thing. So the other thing that I brought in was goggles right? Oh, like swim okay. goggles. Yeah, great idea. So I handed them out the first day. Well, the kids wore them all week long as sunglasses. It was the cutest thing. Like I'd be walking around, like we would be going down to go fish. I'd fish in the morning, go over to the village in the afternoon and everyone's in their goggles. Right. And I'm like, I, I think they think they're sunglasses. Yeah, they, they would. <laughs> so, and I was like, no, 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 they're meant for the water. You know, I was trying to explain to them and they, they, they didn't care. They just wore they, they swore their goggles all week. Yeah. Um, but Fernando had told me you you have big dreams. I love your heart, but I think you're going to be faced with a difficulty here. They have a big fear of the water. Yeah. It's taken a lot of their people, and um, they're probably not going to want to do it. So it took me three days before I convinced any of them to come join me in the water and i finally did and it was it's something that i'll never forget i recruited probably about 15 kids wow. to come in the water none of the adults would get in it but the whole village stood and lined up on the bank overlooking so i got in the water with these kids with floaties and they all had on their goggles the bright colored goggles it was just really Cute. and I talked about star fishing. You you yeah. have a daughter, so you no, it's know, important to, to it's, know how to stay afloat. Yeah, exactly. And so that's one of the the things that they're teaching young kids these days is they throw them in. It's and they ask parents not to be there because it's very scary, but they throw them in to the water. And it instinctually has them try to float. And it's an amazing technique, but it's scary. And so parents aren't supposed to watch. Right. But it's called starfishing. And what it is is you go on your back and you put your arms out and your feet are spread out. And so if you fall overboard, you're supposed to starfish. Yeah. So I'm, I'm down in the water with all these kids. I have about 100 villagers watching me up on the shore. I think they thought I was crazy. I did have on a wetsuit because there's a lot of things here. Right. Get you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which made me even look more like an alien because <laughs> I had on this wetsuit. And um, and I taught these kids how to starfish. And it was really, really sweet. But it took me three days in order to do it. It was really special. You know, did I change lives? I don't think so. Maybe oh, a few. you just don't You, you don't, don't know. know. You don't know. No. But um, the kids were game. The adults wanted nothing to do with it. And yeah. I, I get that. I get that. And we, we have to be careful. I think as Westerners going in to these places, I'm really uh, often conflicted on that. Like we go in with our iPhones and our iPads and stuff, and we have, we have an impact that we don't know that we have. And we have a heart that we want to give, but I think we need to be really cognizant of how we do that and not teaching these people to be entitled that every time a plane lands that they should expect something. Right. I'm seeing that now. Oh, yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Oh, and I've seen it in Christmas Island too. Yeah. Oh, that's a a fine line. It's a very fine line. You want to help, but we've got to be cognizant of what we're bringing and how we're helping. But anyway, long story short, where that brings me today is... While I was on that trip, we so the way that Untamed Angling used to do it is you spent a couple of days at one lodge, and then you would spend the rest of the week at another lodge. And I love that, to be able to do a split and see two different rivers. And so I did my first three days working with the people at Asunta, um, which is the Secure River, and then I moved to Pluma. When I arrived at the Pluma River, there was a photographer there, Matt Jones. And I don't know if you yeah. are aware of Matt. He's a great guy. And he was down in the face because he was supposed to photograph some women. I'm not going to get into the politics of it all. It's a funny world that we live in. and But he the the women had been booked by a a certain outfitter and Matt is kind of associated with tailwaters travel. He's a freelance photographer, but he also works part-time for tailwaters and the, the owners of this other outfitter got wind that they had hired Matt to be their photographer and wanted nothing to do with it. So, these wonderful women, which it was great because one of them's son and I went to Vanderbilt together, which oh. was really fun. It was a small world. And so we hit it off right away. But they were really bummed too because they had to hire this guy to go take photographs. And he was told no. And Ouch. it was really – Anyways, it was to my benefit because Matt was sitting there then. With a camera. With a camera and and no one to photograph. Right. And I was there with two good looking guys out of Florida who I know. And they were my clients for my first kind of hosted trip where I got a you know, a free trip because I brought them. So Matt was there and he's like, do you, I, I don't know you, but do you mind, could I tag along? Cause you're a threesome. Could I be your fourth? And uh, let's, we'll change that wording. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> God darn it. I do that all the time. That's all I know. right. I softball. Um, but he's like, I'll tag, I'll tag along. Can Part I take the photos? Group, yeah. Yeah. And so he and I got to know each other and he's like, God, wow, you've really traveled. Like You know what you're doing? Like This is great. You should meet David because David's on his third child. He can't travel as much as he used to. He's looking for someone to come and host trips for him. Would you be interested? I'm like, heck yeah. Yeah, I would. Yeah. So that's how I got tied in with tailwaters. And that's when I started hosting trips. I mean, I had done that one, like we talked about for 11, and they had asked me to host trips for them. But You know, they're very, 11 is a a very high end and, you know, I was young and I didn't quite have that clientele. I had my dad's friends, but that, that was the end of my, yeah, Yeah. a small pot. And I didn't feel like I could really do them justice, but Tailwaters was hosting all sorts of trips from, you know, two grand to, I mean, the high end for Seychelles Mm -hmm. and he knew that I knew it. So because I had gone and traveled with my dad, so it was an easy fit. And that's how I got into hosting travel. And you're still doing that with those guys today? You know, I am. And I do a few trips for them a year. I just got back from Bolivia and Brazil um, hosting four tailwaters, but I do my own as well. Okay, like, So you I, can still do I'm your own freelance. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'll, I mean, I'll be honest and they'll agree with me. David's great, but um, he couldn't keep up with how much I wanted to fish. Yeah. and, and travel. Well, how, <laughs> how, many, how many hosted trips do you do a year? You know, about nine. Okay. Seven it's, a nine. Of work. it's a lot It's a lot. It's a lot of work. People hear me on the show. I mean, I'm obviously not a huge fan of hosted trips. So I respect people who enjoy it and do it well because it is hard work.
0: There's it a is. lot of,
1: there's a lot of correspondence. You have to be on all the time, mm-hmm. which isn't easy for everybody. Uh, you have to be organized. You have to be willing to put yourself second yeah. Which is also hard. That's hard for me, and I won't lie. Mm-hmm. And but I I make it clear up front that I I am an angler. I'm not a guide. Yeah, and so that helps a little bit. But then you you know you do a lot of events in the evening. I do right with so, my women. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So that takes planning and and it time does. And... It does. And it, you are. You're right. You're on from six a.m. until you close your eyes, and you know answering I, questions. I, I, I try to be first up and last last to bed. Yeah, and that's that's hard. Yeah, yeah, it is. yeah, it's hard, <laughs> and I, I really, really love my sleep. Nine hosta trips, but I mean, you do a lot of fishing just for yourself. I do, I How do. M- I think it's really important to balance, so that, like you say, you can put yourself second. And you know, it's so interesting because I there's a lot of guys out there that are like, yeah, I just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm fulfilled. Like I don't need to catch every fish out there. And I, I just, I'm not there yet. And I wonder if I'll ever get there. Like I am just still so hungry and like, I want every fish and I want to catch every fish. And I, I'm envious of those people that are like to the guide, Hey, like I'm going to sit down for an hour. Why don't you fish for an hour to their guide? And I, I so respect that. And I so want to be there. I'm not there yet. You'll get there, and I think it's species specific. Personally, I don't need to catch steelhead anymore. Really, and it's not that I've lost the passion for fishing. Yeah, I just don't need to catch. I need to know they're there, but I don't. I do not need to catch them. But if you put me back in the jungle of Bolivia. I would yeah. not be able, there would be no sleeping. So I think it's just species specific. And I think it's probably true. With redfish, I'm a little bit more yeah, with yeah. the bow. <laughs> I mean, I'll be honest. It's hard. It's hard. Yeah. And you might also be trapped in a little bit of this competitive nature, too, right? That's true. So I think once you get through that, but I mean, everyone's got their own course. Maybe you yeah. won't. I know a lot of, when I used to guide, there were 70 year old men who had to catch every fish. Yeah. And they just hadn't grown out of it. But then I know just as many 70-year-old men who want to sit and talk to me about rocks. Yeah. Everyone's I got hope their own I'll journey. get there. I hope. I mean, because I, I, I'm envious of those that sit back and they're just relaxed. And they're like, even talking to Bart last night, you know, he's over at Sims now, having come just from Patagonia, I guess, two years ago. Mm-hmm. But he just says that now with Trout, like he just enjoys going down to the river and watching them rise yeah. and watching their behavior. And God, I would love, <laughs> love to be there. I'm not. But I think the other thing with you is that you're skipping around all the time with all these fisheries. Yeah. When you're intimate and, and a guy, as, as a guide, or right. when you live on a river. I think that you just develop a deeper connection or a deeper relationship. So I bet you that you're right. I think if you lived in one spot or if you focus on one fishery, you would absolutely get there. That's probably true. And and maybe maybe, maybe day, that'll happen. Maybe, maybe one, day one day you'll day buy will. a little river house somewhere. And sorry, people, that I hogged the bow. Well, let's talk a little bit about that. Um, okay. About guides, because you, you didn't guide. No. Yeah. No, and that makes me a very... Different individual in this whole industry is that I'm not a guide, but um, I would say all my best friends are. Do you feel like you understand guides? Like, yes. do you ever? Do you feel like you're on the same page? Yes, I totally get it. And so, um, how do you handle that from like a payment stance? If if you're out with these guys, do you negotiate a payment rate? Do you say to them, "Listen, I'm not going to. I don't pay, but I'll give you promotion." You know, and that's um, that's one of the beautiful things about having. You know, fishing these records is I do get invited a lot to fish with them for free. And I think anybody out there listening, all my guides can tell you I pay. I just, I know they're raising families, I know they have a mortgage, even all these hosted trips that I get comped. Tipping is really important. This is their livelihood, and I think a lot of people think that they have it made and they're making a lot of money. Oh, and no. It, it's not. No, no. And I th- so I think it's really important if anybody starts hosting trips, you need to tip, and you need to tip not on – you need to tip full, like as if you were pay, yeah, paying what, full price. What is the proper tip? Because I just, I remember it's a being great a guy question. and I'd have like high end anglers or, you know, mm. high profile anglers and they'd want to give me me their, They'd want me to give them my time. And it was like, Listen, I like I really like you and your message, but I also need to eat, right? And, and this is a gotta day you got to pay your mortgage and you got to put food on the table. Yeah, and, and I, if I give you five days, that's five days I could get paid a full right. rate from someone. That's right. Um, but they, you know, a lot of these people do tip really well. But one of my biggest questions on the show is. What should I tip my guide? So I I don't really know because a lot of my guide relationships are trades. What do you? Right. What, okay, you're, so you're the perfect here, person to ask. Yeah. So here here's what I'm going to say on a hosted trip or on any trip for a week long, you, you should be paying ten to fifteen percent of so the trip you, package. Price. Yeah. So if you are, if it's a seven thousand dollar trip, seven hundred dollars to nine hundred dollars, I think is appropriate. I okay. So I do something. A little different. It was really cute because I just have one of the guides from Bolivia, Snap a Picture. I write a personal note as much as I can. I don't always have the time, but I write a little handwritten note telling them something special that I remembered about our week together. And I personally give my guide a tip. I I do the pool, but I also want to look them in the eye and say, thank you very much. You worked hard for me this week, and I appreciate you. And here you go. And they're like, no, 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 I don't need it. They always are very yeah. kind. But I'm like, but you do. And I want to. And just so people know, when we say no, 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 we really are saying yes, yes, yes. Like yeah. We really want it, but we feel so uncomfortable in person. Right. I right. cannot tell you how many times I, w- I wanted to hug them, but I'd be like, oh, no, I can't. But I really wanted to hug them and be like, thank you yes, so much. Yes, I, I need it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you need it. And so, so as like okay so i fish the keys a lot um i love tarpon so tarpon and redfish are kind of my achilles you know heel where i fish from if if anybody says okay what do you pay for that's those are the two species that i you know i don't ask for free. In Florida? In Florida. Because those guys will tell you to fuck off. They, they are so, I could, I could only imagine being like, so will you fish me for free? Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, I never uh, asked. No woman. Um, and can you bring you know, me lunch? What? They want me to bring them lunch. Oh, I know. Is that not crazy? Like that's the only place in the world. Like I have to feed my guy. Yeah. Like it's the craziest thing. But, like, do you want me to give you a foot massage while I'm here? Yeah, yeah exactly. What else do you need? Like um, I love them, everywhere but else. Yeah. You get, they bring you lunch, but yeah. And, the keys, um, if you guys don't know that, that is really important. You need to ask your guide what they want for lunch. Yeah. And if you show up empty-handed, I'm going to tell you, you're not going to get the full benefit of your day. And they will fire you. Yeah, they will fire you. Yeah. And they they have enough demand on them, which they can't. I love them. I, I do. And I, I'm very fortunate that I have... Um, two two individuals that I've been fishing with for a long time. I mean, I fish with a whole variety of guys down there because I love learning um, from different people. But there's two in particular that I've just really gravitated to. Todd Brubaker is one. He's here at the show this week. And um, the other one is Camp Walker and Camp put me on my big redfish that I caught last year. And so, you know, I, I work to where they'll give me a discount. If I refer enough people, they'll be like, hey, I'll give you a day off or something like that, and it it's hard, and it's you know but I'll, I mean I, but I'll still tip even if they do give me a free day if I book five days they'll give me one for free or something like that I still you always and when you ask me what do you tip um I think the right for salt water well i do have, I do it for fresh and salt even though uh, fresh is Less expensive to mm-hmm. fish. Um, I do about a hundred dollars, but I, I'm going to which is tell a generous you, tip. I'm going to say that I think that that's even going higher. I I really think with inflation and it, you know living expenses, I I, I I'm going to say that I think we need to be tipping about one twenty these days, um, Americans. So you're talking to a Canadian, so tack on thirty yeah, percent. I, I mean, do that is, that is a very generous tip. I guess a lot of it is so. But Dependent. that's for yes, for a good guide. I, you know I want to I want to stop and pause on that for a minute, because you know, because of my travels and because of what I do, I have such respect for guides, but i I want to encourage those that are listening that are guides out there. It's more than just fishing. It's not just about putting your clients on the fish you've got to be able to interact. You've got to be able to ask questions. I want to really encourage people to give them the whole experience because you can't guarantee that the fish are going to be there. Maybe your river gets blown out. Maybe it's a windy day and you're not going to catch fish. So if they're going to be walking away having dropped $700 or whatever the daily rate is for the fishery, it's about the experience. So learn your birds and you know, if you're in Cuba, be able to tell me a little bit about where I'm fishing and give me the greater experience. Or if it's a bad weather day, work with me on my cast. Like, Let me come away having learned something, even if I didn't catch one fish. So I'm going to say those are the ones that deserve the 100 to the 120. If you don't and all you care about is getting that person on a fish and that's all you can offer... I I just don't feel like you're doing your full job. No, I mean, I, it's kind of t- rude, but... Not at all. I wrote a whole series on this, so you want to be a guide. Yeah. And that's a big part of it. It's a huge part of it. I want someone to make me laugh. Yes. Learn your jokes and bring them to the table. Learn your jokes, but also be able to laugh on bad casts yeah. and not sulk. I mean, I, I had a guy oh, once. The sulking. Oh, oh gosh. It. And I would mess up, and they would literally sit down on the polling platform and they're like, I'm not going to pull you anymore.
0: Is this in like, Florida?
1: Yeah. Okay. It sounds like. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, I I just need to gather myself for a moment. I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> like I'm paying you a lot of money. Get back up there. Forgive me for my bad cast. Like we all have bad days. Like I'm going to put you up on the bow. I guarantee you, you're not going to make every fish eat. Like there's going to be t- times and places that it's just not going to happen. You're going to hit them on the head. We all do it. But yeah, no, I, Yeah. And I'm not going to speak badly about Florida guys, but there are, there are some out there. Stop pouting. I just think it's Don't a do this job experience. if that if that's how serious you take that. Yeah, yeah. No, sulking's not attractive uh, in any way, shape, or form. And laugh it off. Like, yeah. if I bonk a huge tarpon on the head, like, laugh. And like, okay, let's go for the next one. And that's what I really love about Camp is he, you know, in tournament fishing is something else. And... I never thought I'd do tournaments. Yeah, looking at your cup, this ladies tarpon fly tournament. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So did you participate in that? Yeah, so it's interesting. I Again, I'm competitive, but I don't want to pit myself against other people. I'm competitive with myself, and that's the only person I'm competitive with. But um, four years ago, I got a phone call from a 10-year-old little girl. Her name is Stevie Kim, and she's out of New York. And she called me, and she goes, Hi, I'm Stevie. I follow you on Instagram, and you're my hero. And I fish the Ladies Tarpon Tournament in Florida, 10 years old, Ladies Tarpon Tournament. And I would—I just want to invite you to come fish it because I want to hang out with you. Oh, my God. Well, how do you say no to that? How do you say no to a 10-year-old and that sweetness? And she was just amazing. And I couldn't do it that year, but um, I I of course couldn't say no, so I talked to her dad on the phone and found out more about Stevie. And she's just a remarkable young lady, and she has competed now I think for six years, and wow. in the ladies' tarpon tournament, um, <laughs> by far the youngest. And I kudos to her dad for exposing her to this great sport and underwriting it. It's not cheap, and so it's just she's she's incredible. And so I went and we hung out, and I, I've got a cute story about that. So I. I come in my first year and I'm like, God, I just hate this. I just, it makes it pit in my stomach. I just don't like competitiveness. And so I went in with it and I was like, you know, I'm here to make new friends because I don't know a lot of women that fish. And so I'm, I'm here and if I do well, great, but I'm here to, to just make friends. And um, so that was my attitude and I met some amazing women in it. But the first day I come in, and you hand in your scorecard, and it's, God, it's just so stressful because the whole ride back, you're wondering how everybody else did. And I just, ugh, it's really, it's a very stressful thing. <laughs> and, um, and I handed my scorecard, and I had a terrible first day. And Stevie comes up to me as a child would do, and she's like, How'd you do? How'd you do? I know you did really well. I did it. And, oh. <laughs> and she, grabbed my, she grabbed my thing out of my hand, and she goes, Zero, nothing, <sighs> donut. <laughs> I expect a lot better than you. No, that. she you know, She totally did. Called me on the floor and she's like, I did not expect that. And she was just <laughs> like, you donut. And she was like waving it around and she's like, I can't believe you got a donut. You're like, I just, I expected better from you. I talked to camp. I'm like, God, we got to up our game. Like I've got this, she was 11 at this time. And she's like, I- I've got this 11 year old expecting great things out of me. <laughs> so I did go on to actually take first. Oh, good. Yeah. Okay. So I, I hopefully made her proud of me. Um, and she was glad it's that like a, she invited me. It's like a me. Disney movie. Yeah. yeah I can hear like, the music at the end. But I love the 10-year-old like our 11-year-old calling me out. I was like, I'm never doing this again. And then of course <laughs> I stand up again. But it, a lot of it's the ladies. I just, I love it. I love who I've met. Um, it's, not, it's not like the men's tournaments we all chat and we all hang out. We have social interaction at night and you know, there's a few that compete and they go home early and they don't really participate in the social aspects of it, but it's a different vibe. It's, it's different. Mm -hmm. It's different than the men's and it's, um, it's to each their own and you make it what you want to make it. But this year it's really fun. So I took that ladies trip, you know, to Mexico. I've recruited um, three other women this year to come and compete in it. And so it's just fun. And, How do you deal with making friends? Because you're on the road all the time. Do you have? Because you you haven't been. Do ma- I have friends? <laughs> do you have friends? Well, no, no, no. But like, do you have time to hold down relationships? Because I know that's a great um, question. You haven't been married before. I'll tell you, it's it's a lonely road. I well, that's and that's where I'm going with this yeah. friend thing. My friend segue is this is a gentle way to get into just relationships yeah. as as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, because I remember, and I'll I'll personalize it for you so you don't feel alone in this conversation. I just remember being so. So alone. Yeah. And I'd be in a hotel room or I'd be in a lodge and I'd be living this life, and people would be like, You have it made. And I just was so alone. I I, honestly, there were times where I wanted to just look at. Anybody and be like, "Well, you just cuddle me," and um, and not even for a man. I just in, yeah. in, in in so that physical with, touch we were talking about. Yes, like to have too. someone paint my toenails would have been yeah. amazing. Yeah, and this is going to get real deep. I remember looking at my life and thinking it's either going to go this way. Or it's going to go that way. And you were the that way. Your mm-hmm. lifestyle, it was my that way. And this way was a husband and, and a baby. And I mean, you and I have had a lot of off-the-record chats. So I, I definitely don't want to, I am not going to abuse any of the conversation yeah, we've had fine. before. No, that's you fine. Know, I'm, I'm an open book about that. I mean, I, I want that. I want that so badly. I want that partner in life. And sorry if I get choked up, but I do. I want that partner to be able to, to help me (laughs) and lean on and it it is you know from the outside looking in it looks like I have it made it looks very glamorous but I will tell you here now it's it's lonely road it's a very lonely road and I wouldn't have asked you Meredith if it wasn't for learning about your family Mm -hmm. you just come from such a family Mm -hmm. life and I just I just I would imagine you want the same thing I do I do but I think because I had such a great dad and because great grandfathers and my brother is just an outstanding man and my actually my brother-in-law is too and so it's just like the bar is set high and i um you know you see a lot of divorces today yeah, that's um scary. you know because i travel and host these trips i see a lot of unhappy marriages i hear about them a lot more than i need to don't tell me about your unhappy marriage, please. And so it's, it's just tough. I'd love to find that person to walk beside me on all of this. And I think that's one of the reasons that I, I do go and travel as hard as I do is it's, um, it's filling, it's filling the gap. It's filling the bucket, um, of loneliness. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, I take you down there. No, but it is what it is. And, um, you know, and I'm in a position because I'm not in a relationship and I don't have a child, which that would be my greatest joy. So I'm going to go and go and live. I'm not going to sit at home and feel sorry for myself and say, why not me? And I'm, I'm going to go and do it. I'm going to take advantage. And having lost my dad and I have a mom that's struggling and has Alzheimer's. And so I don't know if that's in my future. You don't know. It can be hereditary. And I will never get tested to find out if I have the gene or not. I don't want to know. And so I'm just going to live for today. I'm going to take take today by storm and love the people that are in my life and um, and who's in front of me. So with that, you know, getting back to, do you have friends? (laughs) And just so you know, you will like remember. I was in Norway and lonely, and I walked out, and there was Charles. Yeah you never know words. you just never know and it does happen i mean i believe in everything happening for a reason you can say what you will about that but when it's right yeah when it's right it'll happen and that's the, and you know in the the bible is really clear about that too and it's like it says run the race that has been put before you and then look to your right and look to your left and see who's running it with you And I love that. I love that. And so I'm just going to run the race that's been set before me. God's instilled in me this huge passion for fishing. And my goal is just to love those around me and to share his love with others. And I'll just continue to look to my right and left and see who's traveling the road with me. That is perfect. Okay. okay. Talk to me about friends and how do you maintain a home life? Like, Do you have a house? Do you live somewhere? I do. I do. I live in Houston. Um, I actually built a house a couple of years ago. I, I love real estate. We've talked about that. Um, I've been successful in doing that. I've flipped a couple of homes, Good. Um, re, You know, bought distressed or ugly houses and made them beautiful and then um, fix them up and sell them. And uh, I live in for a little bit, and you get a tax benefit from that. And I mean, I can talk to you all about real estate, but uh, so (laughs) I actually sit still. No, no, I I can't. I got to always be doing something. Um, Otherwise, the loneliness creeps in. I'll be be honest. Um, So I built this house about five years ago, and it was fill it or flip it, which means like get married, have kids, because it's bigger than I need. But I made it a dream home, and <laughs> I've done no, <never>, neither. <laughs> I live in it, and I love my home, and I, um I love my bed. Do you feel like that? you travel a lot, too. Like my bed is very, very much my favorite thing. Yeah, about my home. I love my bed in my cabin, yeah, yeah, yeah. God, I got a great mattress. like it's yeah sorry. I, I, the reason why I don't take I, that sexually. No, no, I don't but I don't, I, do. I, I, don't. Lo- <laughs> I love my bed. The reason why I paused is because we just got a new mattress. And I thought I was gonna love it, but oh, I. you don't. No, I, I find myself sleeping in the guest room because I didn't realize that that mattress was so great. And so, poor oh. Charles, I'm not gonna let him listen to this one before I post it because of this. Um, he comes in in the morning and he's like, What? What happened? And I'll be like, Oh, you were snoring so loud. I couldn't sleep, but he's not. But it's the mattress. But it's the mattress. It's so great. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. I don't care what you spend on it. Sell it and get what you need. But um, so, yeah, it's really important. But so you're asking about friends and, you know, it's just you have to be intentional. And so when I get home, all I want to do is crawl into a ball and like kind of uh, I'm an extrovert, but every extrovert needs to regain and recharge their batteries like we do a lot on other people. But I also have a little bit of an introvertness in me, too, where I just want to come home, not talk to anyone, crawl into a ball, sleep. I don't watch TV except for, I am a huge fan Oh, scared I'm of The Bachelor. Oh, okay. I love that. It's just a train oh wreck. God, it is terrible. Maybe we could put you on one of those shows. It could be- No, like, heck, fishing no. bachelorette. No, it would bring out my worst qualities because I am competitive. <laughs> oh and so my. it would not be a good thing. No, so, I mean, you could be the- Oh, oh, that would be amazing. Yeah, okay. yeah, but I don't want to make out with everybody. And they're just like kissing bandits. And I, I do love making out, but I just I don't want to do it on TV. I don't know if I'm a sexy maker-outer. So is that that's not a word? It is now. Um, and so, no, I don't want to do that on TV. But it's funny because when I was doing my youth group, I, I led a youth group called Young Life in Houston for about 10 years. And my girls did submit me to the Bachelor, and it was the oh. very first year, like or the second year it came out, and they sent out my name and everything because they wanted me on it, and I had never seen it before. So we all, so ABC called me, interviewed me, and they're like, "Oh, you'd be perfect." And um, I was holding out for mar- uh, for marriage, um, and that's anyway. But uh, I think it's I think it's amazing. Continue. Um, so. They thought that that was really interesting, and they it would is. love to cast me as the Christian holding out for marriage, and and so they they wanted me on the show, and I was like, I don't know the show, and so I had all my Young Life girls come over, and we watched it together, and they're like, you know what, maybe maybe you shouldn't go on that show because you know because you are making out a lot in public and stuff like that, so they asked me if I was ABC asked me if I'd be willing to get married on TV and all this stuff, and I was like. Actually, no, I'm I'm not, and so I did not go on the show. But I I was offered a spot on the Bachelor, and it was it would have been with uh, Andrew Firestone. Which one was he? He was a tire guy. He Firestone tires. He was a long time ago. I remember that that episode. He was going to be the Bachelor, and so I'd be one of the twenty five women or whatever. It it wouldn't have been a good thing. No, I had no idea. Yeah. That was funny. We were talking about that yesterday. I was talking that with uh, Derek and Courtney. I don't know if you know those guys. They do great film work, and yeah. we were talking about how funny it would be if we did do a a bachelorette uh, fishing show. And so it's they been would have tossed around. The idea has been tossed around. Yeah, for a long and that time. would be really fun to have different guys come on a show with me, and you have to make it through an obstacle course. Are you worthy? Can you fish? you know, and to be my mate. And anyway, I thought that was kind of funny. We were talking about that yesterday. Oh, well, if there's an exact listening, <laughs> this is an idea. No, but I don't want to do it, <laughs> do it publicly on TV. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, okay. So where we got off on uh, uh, f- that- friends and being intentional when I'm home. So I want to crawl into bed, but um, I've got to be intentional. So Every Tuesday in my family is Taco Tuesday night, and we all go over to my mom's house, and she has caregivers there, and um, they help put on a dinner, and we have tacos every Tuesday, and it allows me to see my brother and sister and all of my nieces. I have six nieces and a nephew, all Whoa. under 10, and so it's just really special. So I always make Tuesday a priority, and then otherwise, yeah, I just I always have my my friends all have that calendar that you have so they know when I'm in and out of town. Oh, that's, because that's a good way of doing it. It's really hard, too, because no one knows when I'm in town, and maybe I'm posting pictures from Bolivia, and I'm home. Right. And so it can be really lonely because my friends don't know I'm home, and yes. so my phone never rings, and I never have any social engagements. So now I, I've i learned, because that, that's hard to have your phone not ring when you're at home, and so now I send out my calendar to my Besties, and they know when I'm home, so we can hang out. That is a great way of doing it because I have the I suffer the same issues. Uh, because even though I don't travel as much as I used to, all of my good friends mm-hmm. are still in that mindset that I'm always gone on the road. That's right. And, uh, and yeah, and living half between Canada and, and Australia, it and is that's hard. that's gotta be hard too for well, you. They're just constantly, they watch my social media to see where I'm at and... Right. And our social media doesn't actually, yeah, it's, it's not, not accurate. real time. And, um, and so that's hard. That's really hard. We okay. got off on a bit of a side tangent though with personal stuff. So let's go back to your timeline. So that was the hosting trips aspect. And then, what else? Where else did your career take you? Well, so or is that where we're at? Are we caught up? Yeah, we're. I mean, we're kind of caught up, and that's how I started hosting trips. And I, I, I just love, again, I love people. I love exposing people to foreign lands and foreign cultures. And you know, I find people are kind of timid, and um, I love. I just, I love being that person that they can rely on. And I kind of laugh because often I'll be going through an airport and I have my hand up in the air and I'm like, follow the hand, follow the hand. It's like the, like the tour guides with the big umbrellas or whatever. And um, I just get a lot of joy out of it and making them feel safe and comfortable. Cause a lot of people travel is um, intimidating. Yeah. Especially if they don't do it all the time. That's right. Just even getting on a plane for some people is really tough. So I, I love, I love leading the way and being there and, being a resource and making people feel calm. So I did, you know, we're talking about how, you know, how am I fishing as much as I'm doing? And, you know, if you don't have the funds, how do you do it? And hosted travel is a really good way of doing it. But I, I'm seeing what, what's bothering me though is I'm seeing more and more people hosting trips that, don't know how to travel and they've never been to a destination. You, you mentioned that earlier and that is one of my biggest pet peeves. Yeah. I don't think you should host a trip if you haven't been on that trip Amen. before. Amen. By yourself. Amen. Yeah, And that really bugs me because I'm seeing more and more, um, sorry, fly shops sending fly shop guys. And I, I love you guys. Think you're doing a great job and I'm so thankful for you. And, um, but if you haven't been somewhere, you shouldn't lead a trip until you've been there. I have a lot of guys calling me being like, hey, I know you've been there. Can you give me the intel? Because I'm taking a group down. And I'm just like, I mean, I do because that's my personality and I love to help and give. But it it, it chaps me a little bit. Yeah. I won't uh, And that's fair because I've hosted one trip that I hadn't been on before and I was clear about it with people. Uh, and the rest were always places I'd been. And, and that one trip... It was my weakest trip I've ever hosted. I just didn't have the confidence. Right. Because you just don't know. And my biggest thing is, how's the coffee? How are the beds? Like, what are are you going to expect? And you don't know. And I do do that. Like, for example, I'm going to Tanzania on Wednesday, but I call it an exploratory trip. And I'm taking only two clients. And um, they know this. And they know going in, they're like, we don't care. We just want to get there. Right. And we love exploring with you. And they, I know these guys really well and I know what their expectation levels are. Yeah. And so they're, they're gamers. They're like friend clients. Yeah. They're friend clients. They're gamers and yeah. And they're going to be great. And they, if it all is a bust, which it will not be, I know it's going to be awesome. They would be okay with it. Is there a destination that you haven't experienced yet that you'd really like to? Yeah. And that's Australia. I mean, it's, oh. it's your home turf. It's been on my bucket list for a really long time. As you know, I dated an Australian for a while, and he and I fished New Zealand together, which was just remarkable, and I love New Zealand. But it's funny, and all, all the time that we dated, we never actually fished his home country, but I know all about it. He was a the guide there, and so I really have um, a deep desire to do that, and I'm go- going to do that in July with Joshua. Hutchins. Yes. Hutchins. You'll Sorry. be there in July? I'll be there. Oh, that's my North American time. Damn I it. I know. I know. But I'll be back. Depending and on the on 2021. Yeah. I'm planning on being there for several months. So. Okay. Yeah. Oh, this is exciting. So, yeah. Well, we can do a follow-up. That'd be really good. Okay. Is there anything that you would like to add or to ask yeah, me? Yeah. One of the things I would love to you know, get back on is the, the records because a lot of people out there... I, you know, I would say not, not my followers, but, um, and the people that travel with me think it's great, but I would say industry-wide, I think that there's a lot of miss around what happens. And we've talked about, I think we've talked about fight time. Do we talk about that? No, but I spoke about it with Jason. Okay. From the AGFA. Well, pe- and I just. People listening, they can find that episode. It wasn't that long ago. I want to tell you out of 180 records, my average fight time, what would you guess that it it is. Oh, it's so species specific. But I'd say s- s- five minutes. Okay. Yeah. It's um. It's three minutes. Three and a half minutes is my average fight time, no matter you know light tippet or whatever. It is species specific, but um, people say you're probably putting a lot of stress on that fish. I'm. I. I will tell you right now, I can land a fish faster on light tippet then most anglers can land a fish and it's it's learning how to play a fish and learning how hard you can pull and you would be so surprised how hard you can pull on light tippet oh i, I landed a marlin on IGFA tippet and i did not change the way i fought it at all yeah i went you just went got for it, it and yeah you got to anticipate those movements as long as you're anticipating the run the head shakes the jumps you need to pull. And, you know, for like that ladies' tarpon tournament, a lot of people don't know this, but we're fishing 16. That's regulation. So I just, you know, I want to put that out there about record chasing and then that you don't have to kill the fish. I, you don't have to hang them on a scale. You can net the net. But I think that people need to understand why I record fish. And it was um, getting back to the story I told you about my dad and getting really kind of all puffed up over that first one. And, I don't think we've talked about this, is when he was diagnosed with stage four kidney cancer in 2014, right after a Seychelles trip, which we just had an amazing trip. And it was really cool because it was right when I had started hosting trips and Keith called me and said, hey, we're going back to a stove in Cosmo after they had pulled it for many years because of pirate activity. And he's like, I I would love for you to come and see it so that you can host trips in the future. And if you bring one person, I'll allow you to come for free, right? And so it was the first time ever that I got to call my dad and say, hey, dad, I can get you a really good deal. It's in two weeks. Do you? I want to reverse it because he always took me places. Can I take you? Can oh I host God, you I love this. to the Seychelles? And so he was like, let me call your mom. And because um, she's the boss, and so he, I, I was like, he would never go because it's like two weeks away, it's last minute, and he hung up the phone. And five minutes later, he called back and he's like, "Your mom said I can go." And so we went, and it was a trip of a lifetime. I mean, it's my favorite place. If you ask me, where I, if I could spend one, one more week fishing, it would be Cosmolito. I love it. And um, we had just an incredible, we caught so many GTs. We doubled up on like nine GTs a week. <laughs> like it was just silliness. And he got home and he was really proud of himself because he had lost weight. We never lose weight on trips, right? No. But we didn't know it at the time, but he had cancer. And so oh, he got diagnosed with stage four cancer. And as he was undergoing radiation chemo, he said, I, I want you to keep fishing for me. I can't, I can't be with you right now. And so, Sorry. It's okay. I did. And I just, he's like, go get those records. And somewhere along the way, while he was sick, I said, he loved a person with a mission. Sorry. It's okay. And so I said, for you, Dad, I'm going to get you 100 world records. And I was like at 30 at that time. And I had gotten them all locally, like in the Trinity River. Captain Kirk Kirkland, you're awesome. <laughs> and, um, you know, and... I just said, I'm going to get you 100 world records. Well, he passed at 78 world records. But I caught my 100th world record Father's Day the following year on the pond that he taught me how to fish. And I caught a stupid little bass. But thank you for IGFA for breaking out freshwater fish. And it was a vacant record. And so I, you could catch a little fish. And it still was a record. It's stupid. Lefty called me out on that. That's a whole nother story. <laughs> Lefty hated my stupid records. He liked the good ones. And um, and I caught this little bass, and it was my 100th world record on Father's Day on a on a pond that he had brought me up on at our farm, and that was it. And so every time I catch a record, I hear my dad say, a girl, because <laughs> that was what he always said to me. And he loved to watch me fish. He loved to see somebody with a mission. So... I continue to do so. It's a silly game and I'll play the game until I don't think it's fun anymore. But right now I think it's really fun. <laughs> Meredith, I love you. I do. I think what you are so thank you me. are so refreshing. Well, thank you. Sorry, getting teary eyed, but you know, we all do and people think, Oh, you're just doing it for the glory and whatever. No. My dad's up there saying add a girl. Add a girl. Add a girl. Every time I pull one in. So Well, I'm going to wrap it up right there. Thank you for sharing all that. You're welcome. Thank you for asking, for being interested, to hearing my, my story. It's an exceptional story. And you're my friend. So You I'll are be, my friend And I'll work on my language you don't have to blush all well, the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> time Please don't Don't do it on my behalf Because I actually I think it's good for me Every now and then To let it fly I <laughs> know oh, I'll rough you up a bit Yeah no, Don't you good. worry we'll, we'll, We good. could be a good match I think You and I is. The yin and the yang <laughs> Yeah you know? I think we you'd be that. good for me too Actually yeah. so. Well look I want to stop rolling And um, thank you And we'll do another round When you're in Australia That sounds great Okay, okay. Thank you I am a really good cook, and I can make a really damn good egg, fried egg, no, and broken, <laughs> unbroken yolk. So I like mine hard. We're gonna work on how you say things. I think. Oh, I know. That's I all right. softball all the time. <laughs>